Welcome to the Fantasy Football Affairs Rookie Fever Forecast. What is happening, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to episode 7. We're going to be talking about the stock reports, who's going up, who's going down, who's the right time to buy, and who's the right time to sell before I bounce into anything more. Nate, you know what to do. Hit it. All right. So to start off, what we are going to be doing today, we're going to do a deep dive into the undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, Marquez Callaway. Marquez Callaway came into the league at 6'1", 205 pounds. He's 22.6 years old. He's showing off a moderate speed score of 95.7, clocking in at 55th percentile. He came in with an 82nd percentile of 127.6 burst score. He had a 33.1% college dominator. He had a young breakout age at 19.4. He is currently seeing 37 pass plays per team, which is ranking number 13. He is going to be a player who is going to be a wonderful number two to Michael Thomas for years to come, similar to Trey Quan Smith. This week, he showed out he had eight receptions off of 10 targets for 75 yards. He had a 68% snap share of week five and week seven. He saw a 73% snap share. I'm super interested to see what happens when Michael Thomas comes back and see where this goes. Marquez Callaway is our deep dive player. So deep, we didn't even have him scored in the predictive measure of success model. But let's move on to the risers. Before I go on, you're going to notice something. I'm not going to be talking about quarterbacks. Why am I not going to be talking about quarterbacks? Quarterbacks are constantly in the national stage. They're constantly in the limelight. They're constantly being just destroyed or praised no matter what. So you will already know which quarterbacks are falling and which quarterbacks are rising week in and week out because everyone and their mother is going to be talking about how Justin Herbert is better than Joe Burrow. And if he was putting up, if Joe Burrow was putting up Justin Herbert numbers, then Justin Herbert would be called the next Joe Montana. These things are already said. These things are overplayed. We're not here for that. We're here for the players that are just as important, but much less talked about. So without further ado, let's dig into it. Our risers for this week, DeAndre Swift. He saw a 54% snap share which is up from 37% last week. He saw 52% opportunity share. He had 14 rounds, five targets off those routes. He had 13 touches on the game. He had three red zone touches. It's a slow improvement, but it's improvement nonetheless. It's nice to see. His final line was nine carries for 27 yards, one touchdown. He had four receptions off of four targets for 21 yards. It's nice to see his red zone touches are staying there. You're going to assume the snap share is going to continually going up. And with that, as will the opportunity share, it's safe to say Carrion Johnson is pretty much relinquished of any important role. Next up is Donovan People Jones, who stepped into the spotlight after a very, very hard to watch OBJ 
injury, which just came out recently that he tore his ACL. So now there is a sizable vacuum looking in the Cleveland Browns offense. Donovan Peoples-Jones saw a 68% snap share. He had 72% of his route participation off of that. He had three targets, three receptions for 56 yards, and one very pretty touchdown. This is his opportunity to step in as the number two or number three and try to get involved in this offense. As we know, when targets are vacated in an offense, they usually go to the running backs, and a sizable portion will go to the running backs, namely Kareem Hunt. But Donovan Peoples-Jones has an opportunity to make his stamp on this offense and have his name penciled in as a weekly starter for the Cleveland Browns. He also is doing punt and kick returns. So if you have leagues where those are bonuses, this is a very important thing to pay attention to. He is very, very electric as a returner. He did really well in Michigan. One of the things we love to see when we're looking for rookies and forecasting them. Speaking of the Browns, how about Harrison Bryant? Penciled him off for dead a couple weeks ago with Hooper back and Njoku coming off the IR. However, Austin Hooper had an appendicitis, needed an appendectomy. So he is out for at least this week, if not next week. And it came up before the game that Harrison Bryant got the start over Njoku, which I was personally super thrilled about. Harrison Bryant finished the game with four receptions off of five targets for 56 yards and not one but two touchdowns. He showed some good yards after the catch ability. He was clearly a good target for Baker, and that was something that was really nice to see on the season. Harrison Bryant has had 12 receptions, has had 12 receptions off of 18 targets for 126 yards and three touchdowns. Most of that has came when Njoku was out and when Hooper was here and there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Njoku when Hooper returns. More likely than not, Harrison Bryant is going to be splitting a snaps, splitting the snaps with Njoku. Hopefully, Bryant can overtake Njoku as the season wears on. Again, this is not someone you're going to start this year, but it's someone you need to roster. If you don't have him and he's available, blow a little fab and make it happen even in a non-tight end premium league. Harrison Bryant is someone that I definitely want to have at the end of the offseason. Next up is Brandon Ayuk, who had a hell of a game. Six receptions for seven targets, 115 yards off 105 air yards, which I love to see, showing that he is showing and capable of yards after the catch capabilities, which is something we already knew, but it's nice to see him actually do in real life. It's starting to see it's starting to seem that we are having a down the field role and a line of scrimmage role. A couple weeks ago, I believe Depot was playing the down the field role and Ayuk was the line of scrimmage role. This week Ayuk played down the field role and Debo played the line of scrimmage role. I think Debo Hard had a heart less than fifteen air yards. If this trend continues with Ayuk playing the hybrid back role or hybrid with Diva playing a hybrid wide receiver role, taking snaps out of the backfield, running end arounds, doing all these really high leverage yak possibility roles, and Ayuk is getting opportunities down the field. Ayuk is someone you're going to want to probably have just for the opportunities alone of getting the yardage. 
All right, next up is Joshua Kelly, someone who, dear God, I was so afraid for. I really like this kid ever since Matt Kelly interviewed him at the Senior Bowl. He was someone that I had starred next to his name, someone I wanted to get. And in the last couple games, he was looking a little shaky. He wasn't really showing what you wanted to see. This game, he had 12 carries for 20 and yards. He caught five receptions off of six targets for 24 yards. Not the most incredible line, however. He outplayed Justin Jackson. He had 35 snaps to Jackson's 30 snaps. He had 17 touches to Jackson's 10. He had 15 routes to Jackson's 17. He had five targets to Jackson's 6. He had four red zone carries to Jackson's one. That is important. When Austin Eckler returns, Joshua Kelly is going to retain that role. He's going to see about 12 to 16 touches a game. But if he can get that red zone carry, your investment spent in him, second, third round and rookie drafts is going to pay off in dividends for the years coming up. I am high on Joshua Kelly, and I don't see anything that's going to change that. Another running back who I'm getting high on, on getting high on my own supply yeah, i'm i'm living with it lamichael p ryan 11 carries for 39 yards in a touchdown two receptions off of three targets in for 16 yards he had played 33 snaps he had 11 targets he saw three he ran excuse me he ran 11 routes he saw three targets on those routes he had 13 touches overall and three red zone touches this jets team is stagnant it is quite literally the worst in the NFL. The fact that Pirine is able to make a little something out of absolutely nothing gives me hope for his future. He is someone that I am going to be look to be buying for cheap. We are looking for running backs who are low investment with high upside. But Michael Pirine has bell cow capabilities, giving him a high upside, even on a stagnant offense. So Michael Pirine is someone I am trying to to get in someone who's absolutely rising up the boards. Speaking of someone rising up the boards on a stagnant offense, Denzel Mims. Welcome back, big fella. First game of his career. He saw seven targets with four off of four receptions for 42 yards. He had 44 snaps. He had 90% route participation. He was seeing a 10.5 yard per reception. He had seven targets. He ran 10 slot routes. It's going to be tough sledding for the same reasons. It's going to be tough sledding for LaMichael Pirine, but he's getting involved. He saw early production in the game. He's likely to see more snaps as he's able to assimilate into game conditioning. I like this. I think Denzel Mims isn't going to be a constantly startable asset for your fantasy team this year, but he's going to be a hell of a garbage time play. And he's going to be a great play in 2021 once the Jets figure their shit out. Dear God, please, just for Denzel Mims alone. He's someone that is rising up my boards slowly and surely. He has a buy window still, so you better do it while you still can. Speaking of a buy window that has been closed and still rising is James Robinson. Two weeks of lackluster production. People wrote him off for dead. He came back with a tremendous fashion, showing 22 carries for 119 yards, one touchdown, one two-point conversion. He had four receptions off of six targets for 18 yards and another touchdown. 
felt confident then. I feel confident now. James Robinson is on the Philip Lindsay trajectory. Yes, the Jaguars coaching staff is going to be swept up and thrown into the garbage can at the end of the season. And yes, James Robinson has absolutely zero investment from the club in financially and draft pick wise. But a James Robinson who has the most rushing yards by any rookie, any undrafted rookie through seven games continues this trend through the whole season. Even if the Jaguars draft a running back this coming class, which is getting weaker. James Robinson is going to find a role either on this Jaguars team or a different team. He is a capable third down back. So he has that very least. He also is clearly capable of the bell cow work. James Robinson is the type of running back that I want irregardless. Yeah, you don't really want to spend a first on that risk unless you're a contender. In my non-contending contending teams, I'm starting to try and get James Robinson packaged it in deals as I'm rebuilding. Because James Robinson is the perfect handcuff and the perfect bell cow to have. What I mean by the perfect handcuff is he may eventually be superseded, similar to Philip Lindsay. But when that guy goes down, James Robinson is going to step in and kill it, just like Philip Lindsay. He is on that Philip Lindsay trajectory, that PLT. If you can buy him, do so. There's caution as always. Don't spend too much. But he's definitely someone that I want to have for the future. He's on a three-year plan, four-year plan. He's someone that I'm absolutely enjoying watching. And with enjoying watching, we're going to slowly pivot over to just people that are floundering and falling down the board. First up is someone who we have hardly talked about for good reason, and he showed it here today. A.J. Dillon had the prime opportunity of his young career. Aaron Jones pulled his calf midweek. They hauled him inactive. Matt LaFleur said he was confident in Matt, or Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. Everyone in all the A.J. Dillon hive were going fanatic, hoping to see and hoping to show the world what Quadzilla can do with actual opportunities. I was actually a little intrigued myself. I was curious to see what A.J. Dillon was going to bring to the table. And you want to know what he brought to his table? He brought five carries for 11 yards. That is slightly more than two yards per carry. That's who this guy is. He is not a threat to A.J. Green. He is not a threat to Aaron Jones. He is not a threat to Jamal Williams. He's not a threat to your fantasy football league. If you own him, sell him to the Aaron Jones owner and see if he can potentially recuperate a third or second round pick, maybe get him packaged in. But A.J. Dillon is someone who I will not be rostering anytime soon. Things can change, but I was very underwhelmed. <clears throat> Speaking of very underwhelmed, Chase Claypool, one target. One reception, negative two yards. We always knew Chase Claypool's production was dependent on Deontay Johnson's availability in the game. You were hoping that when Deontay Johnson came back, that Claypool would be still have a role in the offense regardless of Deontay being there or not being there. We have our answer. 
Chase Claypool is not only going to be productive as long as there's a wide receiver injured. You'd like to see him push James Washington, but so far that has yet to be the case. More likely than not, what we're seeing is Juju's going to find a new home next year, and that's probably better for everybody. And when that happens, Chase Claypool will be able to step in and be a player that is going to be helpful. He's a 2021 play, not a 2020 play. He is falling because he has been unable to push James Washington and the coaching staff, even though he's been able to be a efficient, productive member of the offense, have not been prioritizing getting him involved when they have a full healthy wide receiver depth chart speaking of an unhealthy wide receiver depth chart jerry judy two weeks ago we said we were being we were going to hold off on any judy hate i said i wanted to see what judy looked like with a better quarterback i said i wanted to give judy a chance to get involved in the offense to get more comfortable i said judy deserved a chance and that judy has had his chance what has he done with his chance well this week he had two receptions off of four targets and he only had 20 yards and last week what did judy do for us jerry judy gave us week six five targets two receptions 32 yards the only people with egg on their face here is those that were worried that Cortland Sutton was going to be delegated or going to be relegated to the two number two and then Jerry Judy was gonna be the number one in the offense Jerry Judy is gonna be an excellent number two in the offense and a wonderful wide receiver to flex play for your fantasy football team but most of you did not draft him like that and that is why he is falling he will be a phenomenal ppr play in 2021 he will be a buy low in the offseason when people are beside themselves that this pristine route runner was ineffective or was ineffective in the nfl offense as the number one role that's that for jerry judy nothing more to say here i hope he's able to establish himself he is a fun player, and I want the best for him, but he's not a wide receiver one, and so that top seven rookie draft pick that you spent on him was wasted. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire showed us... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire showed us what we were, what I was worried about when they signed Le'Veon Bell. It's not that Clyde would be inefficient with his touches. It's not that Clyde wouldn't get the opportunities. It's that Clyde would lack the opportunities needed to be a running back one. Clyde had 12 touches to Le'Veon Bell's six. That's good. That's still great for Clyde. All this means is that Clyde is no longer in that running back one territory. He is in that running back two territory, which is okay. But again, where the draft capital is spent on him for this year, he is not producing what you want. Long term, he's going to be fine. He's going to be more than fine. He was able to get a touchdown rush. He uh, was a very nice run, 11 yards out. In fact, I believe he abs he broke three or four tackles during that stint. It was really nice to see. He had eight carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. He had one reception off of four targets for 17 yards. He's going to be involved, but he's falling because he's no longer able to produce that ride. He's no longer able to produce that running back one upside. 
And if you can't give you that upside or that draft capital, you're falling a little bit. That being said, if people are worried, I am going to be swooping him up on my rebuilding teams. Last but not least for my followers is DJ Dallas. Why am I even talking about this man other than being a Seahawks fan? There's a little nuance here that I'm able to provide us that is probably not going to be talked about very much. DJ Dallas missed a blitz pickup late in this game, which ended up killing one of the drives for the Seahawks that would have eventually helped win the game. Travis Homer, his counterpart, his competition is excellent, picking up in protection and picking up blitzes. So until DJ Dallas can prove that he is just as good as Travis Homer, he will not see that number three role. DJ Dallas is definitely the better player, and he definitely deserves more opportunities. But if you can't protect Russell, you're not going to see the field. Even with Carson's injury, I don't see DJ Dallas to see a lot of opportunity. And it's too bad because he looks really good when he has the ball in his hands. All right, we're going to move on to our selling and buying. We're going to keep this relatively short because we all know why we're selling and why we're buying. We're, we have four buys and no sells today, which is quite exciting, other than the ones I listed previously. Jalen Rager came off the IR today on Monday the 26th. The buy window is now. You probably have one week when he plays, and then after that, you're going to miss your opportunity, and you're going to have to pay up big bucks. Grab him, guys. He is still a top three wide receiver in this class with only playing two games. Trust me here. This is someone you want. Antonio Gibson came and showed out against Dallas. 20 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Only saw one target. He had a 47% snap share. The same with McKissick. The reason he, has, he is on the buy end here is that I just wanted a reason to talk about him. Like I told you, 2021 is going to be very, very volatile for him. He's a 2020, or excuse me, 2020 is going to be very volatile for him. 2021 is his glow up. But this is the type of ceiling we're seeing and we're hoping for Antonio Gibson. 20 for 128. He's going to get more involved in the passing game as the year, as the year progresses and he's able to grow into this role. He is still so raw. He only saw 33 carries in college. We usually don't want to be investing in players that need to grow exponentially in the NFL. Antonio Gibson is an exception to that rule for many different reasons we will outline later. Buy him up, take the risk, do what you need to do, rebuilding or competing, make that happen for Antonio Gibson. C.D. Lamb is a buy only because if you have cd lamb on a competing team and you are thin at wide receiver you can be taken advantage of cd lamb was once producing wide receiver two numbers he is now producing flex numbers at best because of quarterback play that's not going to improve anytime soon unless jerry does a little voodoo magic go send your old wide receiver one to that team get cd lamb back fuck a pick get cd lamb you're going to want this for next year this is something you want to happen and last up but not least, our spy is Zach Moss, who was more efficient than Singletary. The time to buy him is now. He had a relatively lackluster game as a box score, but he was able to outproduce Singletary. He had seven carries to Singletary's eight. He had 47 yards on the ground to Singletary's 29. Zach Moss 
had three receptions off of three targets for 25 yards. Singletary had two receptions off of five targets for 18 yards. If that trend continues, Zach Moss is going to continually trend up above Singletary. Zach Moss saw a snap percentage of 47%. Devin Singletary saw a snap percentage of 53%. That's going to even out a little bit as Zach Moss is showing to be more efficient and more effective for the Bills. We're going to move out along to our Devi dive. I'm doing this a little differently. I'm trying to be more efficient. Instead of randomly picking players here and there, I'm going to try and give you guys teams to pay attention to. So it makes it easier when you're watching a game. You can flip on that game and try to pinpoint a couple of players. But before I start, Jalen Waddle suffered a very sad injury, a very horrific injury, an injury that makes me really, really sad. But dear God, this man is going to be an absolute stud in the NFL. He's going to run fast. He has the college reduction to show it. People are going to be complaining and talking about him. He's going to come in a little light, and he's going to not have the same profile as Devontae Smith and a few others. That's okay. I will take Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith 10 out of fucking 10 times, and I won't regret a goddamn thing. Why am I cussing so much? Because Jalen Waddle is a top three rookie wide receiver right now, and he deserves that. If this rehab goes as well as it needs to go and as well as it should go, there's zero concerns for Jalen Waddle moving forward. Now, the team I want to highlight is the, the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's right. We're talking about football, not basketball. They have been slowly glowing up the last two years, and they are finally producing some talents that are going to be noteworthy in the NFL. I've already talked about Michael Carter. I would like to issue an apology. I was wrong on Michael Carter. I saw some tape. He is going to be a jag. He is going to be a backup in the NFL, which is great and wonderful, but he is going to provide very little fantasy relevancy to your team. Spend elsewhere. And who should you spend elsewhere in the UNC backfield? Look no further than Javante Williams, Michael Carter's counterpart. Michael Carter is being superseded by Javante Williams. Javante is only a junior, so he may very well go back for his senior year to have that backfield all to himself. If he doesn't, he is going to get probably day three uh, draft capital around round four. He is someone I'm going to be scooping up late in the draft. He looks absolutely electric, and I cannot wait until he goes to the pros. Moving on to the wide receivers is Diami Brown. Diami Brown is a slender 6'1", 185 wide receiver, but he is electric and he is fun to watch. He has great yards after the catch ability, and he shows that he is able to be a productive member. He has a good profile, and he is someone I am looking forward to be grabbing in the late second round. He's a low name and he is going to be productive in an NFL team. His counterpart, however, Daz Ferguson, is going to be lacking. Daz Ferguson was getting a lot of hype coming into the season, but he has shown out very poorly all year. So Daz, unfortunately, is going to be someone we want to pay attention to. He may be a wonderful late-round stash. He's going to be go late in the NFL draft. He may pull a Marquez Callaway-type trajectory, but we're just going to have to see. Sam Howell is a projected top three 2022 quarterback. There's not a lot to say on him right now. He was hyped up quite a bit coming into the season. 
He's shown a little bit of a struggle throughout the season, but he's seemingly been able to right the ship and keep it on track to where he needs to be to meet up with that projection. There's not a lot I can say right now. I'm still trying to better my process at evaluating quarterbacks. If any of you were with me preseason, you would have heard my hot takes on Justin Herbert. And good God, could I have been any more wrong? So I'm trying to reevaluate and redefine and see what I can do better so that I'm giving you guys information that is not only pertinent, but accurate and useful. Now, before I end the show, I would like to say a few things. In LA and Monday night's game, I am looking for Cam Akers. Will he get a snap? Will he get two snaps? Will he get any sizable portion of the workload? I really hope so. I'm holding out hope. I think he's able to. I would love for this to be a blow-up game for him. We're just going to have to wait and see. Then Van Jefferson, is he going to be able to rival the number three role for Josh Reynolds, or is he delegated for the rest of the season? These are things I'm just paying attention to. Paying attention to. A couple more things. I would like to give a big shout-out to Matt Kelly, the pod father on Twitter. Uh, he dropped Denzel Mims, Joshua Kelly, Michael P. Ryan, De- DeAndre Swift, and a couple others as some information tweets that I used during this podcast, and it seemed wrong to use them and not give credit where credit is due. The man runs a wonderful website. I strongly suggest you you subscribe. I strongly suggest that you pay attention to it because it is very, very good. Last but not least, everyone, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope this is still enjoyable for you. I hope you are learning things. I hope you are able to take advantage of your leagues with this information. That is what we're trying to do here. I'm here to better my process and better the product and hopefully keep elevating the fantasy football fair while we're at it. Have a great day. Wear a mask. Go out and vote. Spend quality time with your family and make today a beautiful day.